I really just like Sahili the most. Sahili seems so awesome to me. I, I, I don't know if we can like get something together in time, given that it, you can't just put together decks and jam them in leagues. But I feel like there's something there for Pioneer. Yeah, I do too. Like the the Planeswalker seems so good, yeah. so good. Two creatures. It's like a Whirler Rogue Planeswalker. Yeah. Instead of a two-two, you get a planeswalker. Yeah, and like Whirler Rogue was, I loved Whirler Rogue. I I have a uh, a top eight in an open where mm-hmm. one of my teammates played Whirler Rogue <laughs> in Pioneer. <laughs> so you know the card has pedigree. Although I think that getting the planeswalker rather than the two-two is usually, you know, there's there's a lot more to be done here. Yeah, yeah typically. Although the 2-2 was way more relevant. The fact that it, like, hasty made stuff unblockable, like, killed a lot of people. Well, this one does make the Thopters have haste, so you you do get two unblockable damage. Yeah, anyway. that's so wild, like, that you can, like, snipe down a, another Planeswalker or something. Like, that's, yeah. that seems very generous. Just like old Sahili. If they minus their Chandra, you could come in and kill it. Yeah, but you can't do that anymore. <laughs> well, but the way the format worked at the time, you could. Yes. But also that Chandra could kill Planeswalkers and was actually pretty good at it. Oh yeah, excellent at it. And no longer. But Sahili was part of a busted combo deck, so... Yeah, so that actually happened quite a bit. No, I'm down to just talk about magic if you want. I don't really have anything else going on. Today was just annoying because I had to go into the office and do a bunch of accounting stuff, which we didn't even get solved because I couldn't figure out where all the money was. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> or I, rather... We have more money in the bank than we have reported, which is, I guess, a good mistake. Yeah, that's a weird problem, though. Still a weird one. I couldn't figure out why. Hmm. Well, I'm sure that you'll solve it at some point. All right. Yeah, let's just get started, then. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 267 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Hi Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. You know the problem with cold opens when it's spoiler season? Yeah, you just want to get to spoilers. We just immediately start talking about the cards anyway. Yeah. (laughs) So there's like no point. I, it remains to be seen whether that actually makes the cold open or not. Because uh, you could just, just you could just not have a cold open. That's uh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're just gonna be repeating ourselves when we get to that card later on. So yeah, yeah exactly. Who knows? Ooh, spooky. It does I guess also it's not spooky season anymore. It's still spooky season. It's fine. You can leave the Halloween decorations up until Thanksgiving. Yeah, but when where do I put my Christmas decorations? Like next to them. So what we are doing this year, this is now the cold open, uh, okay. what we are doing this year <laughs> is, so Kristen's birthday is at the end of November, so it's like equidistant between Christmas and Halloween. So rather than decorating for Halloween and then decorating for Christmas, we are throwing her a Nightmare Before Christmas birthday party. Oh, and that's so pretty good. Our Halloween decorations are kind of Christmassy. And then they just sort of stay up and then we just add to them over like preparations for the birthday party and then Christmas, etc. And then our Christmas decorations are just spooky. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. Yeah, I'm excited for it. 
I do kind of want to zip through the pioneer results. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we'll just, you know, kind of give the the executive summary of the challenges this weekend. What's your zip through reasoning? Because I want to get to spoilers. <laughs> also, it is kind of lame duck, right? Because the we've been doing this to prepare for the pioneer format in the preparation for the regional championship. Mm-hmm. But of course, the regional championship has brothers bro cards legal. Yeah. And now that we have an idea of what the bro cards are, kind of just want to talk about them. <laughs> yeah, I am uh, downloading Cockatrice so that I can play matches with these new cards. Uh, there's some space to explore, and some of these cards are just straight up bangers. I don't know that there will be like massive disruption to, I, I mean, at least the top two archetypes are still going to be very good decks and i think that that is just like not up for debate but some of these cards could give rise to new decks and some of them are just very strong options for things that already exist or like we're close so i i I really want to explore that and i think that may be a chance to get a lot of leverage for regionals is experimenting with the new cards and then coming out with something kind of a shame that it is open deck list so if you come up with some you know bonkers off the wall is it artifact deck then you have to show your opponent your deck before playing but hopefully they still won't really know how to play against it yeah i i think i don't like open deck lists because of that but i also think that the the edge you get against the average person looking at your deck list is not going to be that yeah like they're, they're still not going to play against it even if they've internalized what your cards are yeah although you know this is a stronger a yeah, stronger field and hopefully there's a decent number of players who will be able to adapt once they see, you know, that you have the new Sahili in your list or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there will be. I just also think that their number of games against it is going to be significantly lower than their number of games against, you know, Rakdos or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I would certainly have trouble adjusting, especially if it's a card that, like, didn't come up in our testing then. Hmm. So to briefly run through this stuff from the, the challenges... Uh, Rakdos midrange actually only top eight on Saturday missed the top eight on Sunday for the first time in a while still many copies in the top 32s uh, Phoenix continues to like be kind of resurgent still only one top eight but is popping up a little more in the top 32s I was having kind of a rough go of it but treasure cruise as a pillar of the metagame is pretty important and defeats a lot of the decks that are set up to beat Rakdos specifically I was playing a reasonable amount of the gruel stompy deck to try to get a feel for it and I think that deck is pretty good it is a little frustrating to play because it is like your opening hand must have red and green mana and an elf and something to do with your mana and that's like a lot of requirements especially for a deck with no draw fixing whatsoever and you're just kind of playing this weird mid-range deck where your only like card advantage things are your big vehicles and so that's very specific targets of what you're good against and so any deck like that that is choosing its threats very specifically to be good against Rakdos and adaptable versus mono green just kind of implodes in on itself when you have to play against something like treasure cruise that's the place where phoenix lives is just like i'm sorry you forgot to prepare for treasure cruise that's not surprising to me, especially yeah. when you kind of compare it to Gruul. Blue White Control won the challenge on Saturday, which 
is a thing that can happen, and I still don't recommend playing blue-white control unless some something very strange changes. I think the, you know, the moment of blue-white control is spurred on by the green decks changing their flex slots to kind of adapt to the more attacky decks in the format. So when the flex slots are Lovestruck Beasts instead of, like, additional Planeswalkers like Nicol Boluses or Teferis or whatever, then that matchup shifts just slightly enough that Blue-White can kind of, like, hang in the format. But playing Blue-White against a Resolve Fable of the Mirror Breaker is just a miserable experience that I don't recommend to anybody, so... Yeah, it's it's rough sometimes. <laughs> Especially since, a, like, a number of these decks in the Saturday Challenge were just, like, transmogrify decks with a bunch of fables which is interesting yeah a, a, a huge amount of creativity in various forms like at least one girl one popping up towards the top of the standings a couple of is decks i played against creativity just like a kind of classic i think they had like four agents of treachery in their deck i played against that the other day so creativity decks seem to be popping up more and more recently yeah, I don't, I don't know quite what spurred that. Maybe it's the same sort of reaction from the mono green decks towards the, the more aggro end of the spectrum. Yeah, you can go a little bigger if they aren't gold fishing quite as hard, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, I think the, the creativity decks kind of exist in their own space where they're, kind of a less consistent mono green, but the thing they're doing is, easier to come online. Mm -hmm. uh, at a more power like mono green just wins the game when it's firing on all cylinders with the like car and combo engine thing sure uh creativity doesn't really match that but there i'm gonna creativity for a creature draw it's a lot easier to assemble while doing a powerful thing than mono green like if you just take their uh dickthos or any permanent they have you're gonna be good yeah yep 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 and then we reach the part of the results that kind of make me feel like Oh, I missed something in understanding this format. Like I'm I'm catching up a little bit here. So Grease Fang like got another top 8 and that was a little weird because I just, you know, wasn't expecting that. But that's really, you know, it got one top 8 this weekend and then one other appearance in the top 32. Still kind of like not really present and that makes that mostly still tracks for me. Uh, the thing that really kind of knocked me on my ass here was Karuga top eighting the Saturday challenge and then putting two copies in the top eight of the Sunday challenge. Yeah, people figured out that the card exists in Modern, and then they're just like, oh, it still exists in Pioneer too. And then it's just the normal Fires deck you saw on the Throne of Eldraine standard with the upgraded cards. Yes, and, and specifically what is better about this from the versions of Karuga a couple of weeks ago are the temporary lockdowns. I think that card just is excellent in this deck and makes a huge difference in allowing you to keep up and get to your end game. I'm still not the most convinced that like a four Kenrith build of this whole thing <laughs> makes a lot of sense, but certainly Leyline Binding and Temporary Lockdown as early interaction fable to help you get to your mid and end game and then having a big end game with fires and karuga to just like get you a boatload of cards when you have fires in play there is something there it is powerful it is going bigger than rakdos in a way that they don't have great tools to deal with and you can kind of have your specific things to try to help you against mono green whatever your exact plan is so i i can understand this i'm skeptical but certainly the temporary lockdowns make it more of a choice that I am like, okay, this deck makes a lot more sense to me now. 
I actually also really like this is a four Omnath deck. Mm-hmm. And I think Omnath is incredibly good in this deck. And maybe that's kind of why people are playing four Kenrith. Because Omnath, they have four Fabled Passage to generate mana with Omnath. And then you can use your the mana on Kenrith or your Triomes or mm-hmm. your Channel Lands to just do stuff while your mana is kind of unlocked by Fire's Invention. Otherwise, it's going to waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you just like, you know, it's Omnath. It's a good I need four life every turn card. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, Omnath was exactly fine when I played a previous version of the deck. Oh, I don't think it's like a, a modern Ren and Six fetch land kind of deal because you no. only have the four Fable passages. But right. it is a good enough card that lets you do something. Yeah. And since you can't put cards that cost less than three in your deck, you know, your curve gets shifted that way and you're looking for whatever the best other four is. And if you're not doing Enigmatic Incarnation, then Omnath is probably where you got to go. Plus, the, the turns you go Omnath into... You say you have a Fable Passage in Omnath, but no fires. The turns you actually play Omnath and Kenrith, you, you feel great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Um, some other things. Some Enigmatic Incarnation showing up. Various builds. I don't think anybody's super cracked it yet. Some people still playing Trial of Ambition. Some people not playing it. There is, in the creature package, I noticed an Eldrazi Displacer in the 25th place list with an exactly four sources of colorless mana in that deck, I think. So, <laughs> you know, we're going real deep in our, like, niche situation creature package that uh, I don't think is the correct direction to, to be taking with this deck. But what about blue-black control that's now resurfacing? <laughs> I... I mean, I could be wrong here. I believe this is directly an artifact of Nasif. Nasif is good with it. Nasif is just a good player and plays it in like every challenge, gets some amount of results. Some number of people like also pick it up because they see him playing it on stream and somebody does well with it. And so it pops up a little bit and that's that's it. That I I yes, it won the challenge on Sunday, but sometimes that happens. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely... It won the challenge on Sunday, and uh, Nassif made it to the quarterfinals also on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're right. It's just like kind of Nassif's pet deck, and he's he's influencing. He's an influencer. Yeah. I mean, and I'll, I'll keep an eye on other results and data for it, but even just watching Nassif play it, like, he is maximizing it, and he is hanging on by a thread in most games with the deck. So Hall of Fame player. Gabriel Nassif. Yeah, one of the best to ever do it. And, you know, he's 3 twoing a lot of leagues with this deck. So, yeah, kind of kind of great on that one. It, <laughs> it is a fun deck, though, uh, if you're into that sort of thing. It's definitely sweet. It definitely suffers from like Narsa and Days Undoing are both pretty bad against the aggressive decks. And then they're your plan against like slower decks. But they're like kind of expensive sorcery speed things that you have to put together against the slower decks that it it is a tough package to make work yeah interestingly the the person that won the challenge on sunday did not play days i'm doing uh just narsets and some various other planeswalkers that actually makes a lot of sense i think the days i'm doing might just be nonsense yeah probably but that's that's what this likes to do <laughs> and so yeah. that's what he's been doing and and you do just fine with it because of who he is. The Sunday challenge, the mono black deck that showed up was zombies again. I assume probably in the hands of the same player, but I'm not sure that I'm willing to go back and check. Although a harder to check 
past deck list things. It's actually Just kind of easier now. I don't know how how far back the thing goes, but there's like a search function and stuff for the Magic Online deck lists, and I don't know. It's kind of neat. I haven't played around with it too much. I haven't needed to search historical records of Pioneer events. Right, right, right. But so or any kind of event really. It's mostly harder for me because Goldfish isn't importing them, and I get a lot of my deck lists from Goldfish until we're doing the podcast. And Goldfish has just been broken since the deck list change. Like they don't get yeah. deck lists from uh, the mothership anymore. So now it's just. I believe that there's a search function, but I have not used it, <laughs> so I don't know how. It, it's to me harder than just like clicking on a different on the player's name at Goldfish. Yeah, that's fair. But like, there is a search box, and so like, let's see. If I go in here, and I find this zombies player. Now keep in mind that Loriwa got 13th place in this challenge and 13th place in this challenge, as That's well as 13th impressive. place in this challenge because it's listed three, three times. Three times. That's very good. <laughs> in the previous week's challenge, listed twice, Loriwa got 11th place and 11th place, both with zombies. So a strong zombies mage, two top 16 performances in two weekends. <laughs> or five, depending on how you count it. <laughs> or five. <laughs> so whatever. But this is actually pretty cool yeah like you can search a player's name it doesn't come up in like the best results possible it just like shows you each of the challenges that that player has shown up in and then you have to like click it and then find their list or whatever but it it still it kind of works so i I don't know that's something neat now i have more resources to kind of creep up on people with people are playing yeah Mono green, still very good. Top eight on Saturday, two top eights on Sunday. Also just generally does even better in the higher level tournaments that people are focusing on because more players bite the bullet and just play green because you you gotta. In our recent group testing, we keep coming back to like, okay, are you just like definitely supposed to play mono green because what actually beats this deck? And it's kind of not a lot. Yeah, that's... It's so strong on the play, too. It's incredibly <laughs> strong. Yep. Uh, I'm actually... One thing I want to note about if we're done with Mono Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a neat little list on the Sunday Challenge. Omen played a Hidden Strings deck, and they played uh, Joint Exploration in their deck, which is the two-mana Scry 2 draw card. But if it was kicked for another green mana, you'd put a land in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Because... Uh, having extra little impulses is nice and having extra land drops is nice too it kind of fills out the curve i wonder how it did because they also play growth spiral which has not been impressive mm-hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm kind of curious if people will try that out just as i'm looking at that deck that list has another couple a few things i don't like personally but that stood out to me the joint exploration thing yeah the niv mizzet perun main deck is a little bit odd I- and Thassa's Oracle, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that that is plenty of Pioneer discussion. I want to talk about new Magic cards. Okay, I'm down to talk about new Magic cards. Some new bros? Yeah, some new bro cards, of which there are a lot of bros. Yes, and I've I've put a lot of bros into the sheet here. We're not going to get to all of them, but if you would like, maybe we just sort of like alternate, go back and forth with ones that we think are sweet and interesting. Okay. Yeah, sure. Do you want to start? Sure. And where do you want to start? <laughs> I'm just going to, I I mean, I'm just going to start with like the certified bangers. I, I'm not going to start with the card 
that we talked about during the cold open. I'll let you hit that one. But one that might be friends with it and I think is going to just have a huge impact in a lot of places potentially is Third Path Iconoclast. So this is blue-red for a 2-1 human monk. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. I mean, this is a young pyromancer that triggers off of artifacts and enchantments and it creates artifact tokens. And creating a bunch of artifacts is a recipe for really powerful stuff, potentially. I don't know exactly what this does, but, you know, just looking at the card, like, my mind kind of goes a bunch of different places, is kind of awash with the possibilities in lots of different formats. You know, it's great with, like, Moon Snare Prototype, which triggers it, and then you can use the Soldier to activate your Moon Snare Prototype. It's great with sagas are part of your like weird things that are tough to fit into young pyromancer decks this adds to it it's potentially great with like urza if you ever cast an urza with a bunch of one one soldiers in play like that's nutty i there's just a lot of things uh the the one one soldiers improvise spells really well they turn on metalcraft really easily like this thing with galvanic blast in a deck is very strong potentially if mox opal still existed for us like there would just be some really nutty stuff you could do here as is, I think this is really good. Yeah, I, I do too. I think this is mostly a, a cedar card mm -hmm. for the future sets. There's three more artifacts that's upcoming. <laughs> and this is one of the only cards in the set that makes a bunch of artifacts that aren't just like power stones. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're useful artifacts. And it's mostly a season prior, or not, a young pyromancer, a two one for two that makes tokens. Right. But that's like the. The bottom, the yeah, exactly. Like, it can't be worse than a young pyromancer. And I think often it's being seated to be better. Like, if Metalcraft or Improvise, any of the mechanics she listed mm -hmm. are in the future sets, this is a good place to look for, like, a two-drop. Yeah, and honestly, like, I'm excited about it for Pioneer as an enabler because it has been tough to put together, like, the number of cheap artifacts that you really need, and this kind of enhances that. Any cheap artifact that you draw with this in play is two cheap artifacts for whatever you're trying to fuel, and I don't know. I I think this card's really good. Yeah, it also works well with a card people tried to play. Uh, Yosha Declares War, I think. Mm, the, sure. There were some artifact lists with that people tried in Pioneer, and it wasn't quite up to snuff. Uh, this is the one where one of the chapters is, you know, tap any number of artifacts and you just shoot a creature or planeswalker. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes an ornithopter on chapter one. This dude is great with shrapnel blast too. Like it's fuel for shrapnel blasts and like does that thing that like when you sacrifice a, a creature to a spell with young pyromancer and get another one back, like that's really cool. Uh, it also works with deadly dispute really well. Like, if you yeah. can play the all of these colors, I'm just really excited for this card. I, I like this card because it's really easy to replace, just like a Pyromancer, but it works in different decks than it, mm -hmm. where you can, like, you know, do artifact-y stuff and interact with it. And those kind of cards usually have different types of interaction you want to play against than here's my 2-1 that makes 1-1s, one you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, when they're trying to, like, rest in peace you or whatever, and you're just like, this 2-drop made 6 power worth of guys 3 or, or not 3 or stony silence or whatever then that that can win games on its own yeah or they like have a hammer like the uh whatever the shatterstorm in the set is that makes a bear mm -hmm. yes yeah 
the, you still have your two one. It's not an actual artifact, even though it works really well with all the artifact synergy pieces. Right, which I do. Like it being an artifact might make it stronger just for like getting your artifact counts up and stuff. But the fact that it doesn't get shattered is probably like that will be good in spots too. I also, I'm done talking about the gameplay of the card. I want to just like touch on the flavor, which I hate. <laughs> Do you know what the third path is? I don't know. Is that like a Felden thing? Kind of, yeah. Felden is of the third path. Yeah. It's just there were two brothers and they each had a side of the war. And the third path is the neutral party. Oh, the forward party. Yes. Not left or right. Yes, but forward. <laughs> <laughs> so... This guy is supposed to be the peaceful faction, and all he does is make robot soldiers. Which is just all that Misha and Urza do, is make robot soldiers. So it's like, what? What are you really doing here, buddy? Well, you know, the forward party in real life is not actually some revolutionary thing. It's actually just a bunch of Republicans. So, you know, kind of is true to life. Yeah, but the other people in the third path are great, like Lauren. Which we'll mm. talk about later because I like her card. <laughs> Not Felden. I hate Felden. But I do like Lauren. <laughs> well, I will be completely ignoring that flavor as I try to build a bunch of unplayable decks around Third Path Iconoclast and will not have one ready in time for the regional championship and will spend too much time on Cockatrice trying to make it work. Perfect. I love it. Yep. An ideal <laughs> use of time. All right. I want to talk about another blue red card. My favorite. Yeah. Uh, it's a Healy. Filigree Master. Uh, two blue red for a three loyalty Sahili. Uh, plus one, scry one. You can tap an untapped artifact you control if you do draw a card. Minus two is create two colorless 1 1 Thopter tokens with flying. They gain haste until end of turn. And her minus four is you get an emblem with artifact creatures you control get plus plus one. And artifact spells you control cost one less to cast. I love this card. Yeah, this card is great. It's fantastic. Uh, the kind of whirler rogue mode of four mana. Here's my two Thopters. They do have haste. Uh, and you get a Planeswalker left over. It's, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I also really like is that she starts at three loyalty, has a plus one, and ults at four. Yeah. So if your opponent's not got anything going on or you're kind of in that uh, stalemate zone, mm -hmm. you can plus her to draw a card. Which you do kind of select. She has the little scry one. Doesn't matter. But her her emblem of artifact spells are cheaper and I'll get plus one plus one can be very impactful depending on how your deck is built. Yeah, I mean, I think that mostly is like a we kind of stalemated. I've had this third path iconoclast like making one ones for a while, but can't get through, and now they're all two twos and you die. You know, I I think there's some really good play patterns, and it's very easy to hit that glorious anthem mode when you need it. Yeah, and but also you can you know make thopters with her when she comes down, and mm -hmm. then just start tapping a thopter to draw a card every turn if you yeah, want to do like that. Yeah, that's a great. They can't just too. let Sahili be there. They do have to kill her. They cannot let you scry one and draw a card every turn. Like she comes down, makes two thopters. They have to deal with her, and then also you still have those two thopters, which probably you can make good use of because they're artifact creatures, and your deck probably does stuff with them. And plus, they're one one flyers. Like they threaten planeswalkers they chump block like they do plenty yeah she the, the thopters can protect sahili unlike you know the planeswalkers that plus or minus to make a creature this does mm -hmm. make two creatures they if they can only creature removal your uh board 
mm-hmm. two attacks of Healy down. They do have two removal spells, mm-hmm. which is less likely now that they're printing a lot more Planeswalker-focused answers, like the new Lava Coil in the set hits Planeswalkers. It's just Lava Coil, but it can hit Planeswalker. I think it's called Obliterating Bolt or something like that. Yeah. But a removal spell to hit the Planeswalker that made your two one ones that you probably can do other things with is like, that's not a terrible exchange for you. Especially if you if there are other uh, emblems, not emblems, anthem effects for artifacts or mm-hmm. stuff that pays you off for having artifacts in play. Yeah. Uh, from what I've seen of the set so far, we don't have quite all of the set yet. We have maybe 70% of it. Uh, there's not a ton of, I have a lot of artifacts in play payoffs. But Sahili herself is one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I, I think just a great four mana planeswalker that will do a lot in artifact decks. Like definitely seems like standard is ripe for this sort of thing to be good, but I want to try to make this work in Pioneer as well. One of the forms of artifact payoffs that there can be are cards like Urza's Command that make construct tokens. So this is a four mana instant choose two for two blue blue creatures you don't control get minus two minus oh until end of turn create a tapped power stone token create a tapped zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control and scry one then draw a card so i think this is pretty you know default mode a four mana construct that scries one and draws a card at instant speed but also if you're under pressure you can use it to kind of fog and also get your construct into play and in an artifact deck, I think this can do like a lot of work and really pay you off for having just like random artifacts in play. And if this thing makes a five five or a six six, then that the, if this is a four mana end of turn, make a five five or a six six scry one draw a card. Like that's a very good spell. Yeah, I think it's this card is context dependent to mm-hmm. me for the format because I think you do actually kind of have to make the minus two minus O mode relevant. It's the most board impacting thing because the construct token does come into play tapped. Right. Which means you can't just ambush people with it. So you, you kind of get your creature next turn. And this is the only card in the set currently that makes a Karn struct. Uh, there's yes. no other card that does it yet. But we also actually don't have all that. I mean, we have a decent amount of rares and stuff, but there's a lot more of the set to be revealed. Yeah, I... It wouldn't surprise me if there are more Urza-inspired. That's what Urza does, right? He just makes cards. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite a hobby. But I think at this point in his life, he wasn't really big on them. He's more of an artifact soldier, 1-1 kind of dude. Sure. (laughs) But yeah, Urza's kind is fine. I'm not sold on it. I think it's a little expensive. You're aiming for the construct to be good pretty much every time you cast it. I don't know if tapped construct plus scrying is powerful enough on its own i'm just kind of worried about that yeah and i mean i feel like my four mana slots are going to be like four sahilis before i start trying to put any other four mana cards in there in an artifact deck but i mean we'll see like i i do think this card is powerful in enough different situations as long as you are making artifacts consistently that it could be good but that is kind of a question mark are you making enough artifacts consistently that this card is going to be good and honestly, if you can make a power stone matter somehow, that's pretty appealing too. Because getting a mana and a construct is a really good deal. Mm-hmm. You just need to actually be able to use the power stone. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about kind of a simple card. Sure. Next. This is Brotherhood's End. It's a sweeper effect. It's one red red for a 
choose one. Brotherhood's End deals three damage to each creature and each planeswalker, or destroy all artifacts with mana value three or less. It's a sorcery. So this is like your your Slagstorm variant, your Sweltering Suns, and so on. This one is different from those because it, your mode of kill all artifacts with mana three value or less is really good, especially if people can put construct tokens into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty painful. Yeah. But also, this is the only three mana sweeper so far that hits both planeswalkers and creatures at the same time. Yeah, this is like the the kiss of death to Obnixilis, the adversary, which never quite performed, yeah. but like, good lord, you, you're not insulating yourself against the controlling or mid-range deck that's playing Brotherhood's End by playing that planeswalker. I mean, sometimes in the decks that you play Sweltering Suns type effects and you do not want the ability to hit your own planeswalkers, like you Right. It's really hard to justify playing this in kind of a Sahili deck, which is kind of a double-edged sword. But other times you desperately want to just clean up. Uh, I'm thinking of board states with Teferi Time Raveler a lot, like a cheap Planeswalker that often leaves behind a a, a do-nothing card for several turns. Yeah. Uh, where you would just you know, kill, kill hero tokens and, and clean up the Teferi at the same time. That'd be great. Sure. Not a lot of small planeswalkers in this format, but it is really good against Sahili. Also good against, you know, third path of Kana class. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. Kind of devastates decks that are doing that stuff. One of the risks of third path iconoclast that we have to like list on the Kickstarter for this card is that temporary lockdown is seeing a lot more play. And uh this card's great. That any deck that's running third path iconoclast is probably extremely vulnerable to temporary lockdown. Yeah. And that is unfortunate but that's kind of why you need i think this is a more of a sideways payoff than uh this my main plan is to make a bunch of one ones yeah right 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 but like a lot i i just believe probably a lot of your spells that are making one ones are just also going to get hit by temporary lockdown so kind of however your draws line up like you might just be getting messed up by that card so it's a thing to be very aware of yeah especially when building your deck not so much playing really hard to play around that card Yes, it's it's that that is a deck composition consideration is how much do I expect to play against this card and how willing am I to just scoop to it? Let's see. Should I pick a card now? You Yes, it's your turn. Okay. We're taking turns, remember? Yes. Uh, so I have a Hagar Loyal Bodyguard, which is the latest Watch Wolf, red green for a 3-3 <laughs> legendary human soldier. Sacrifice Hedgar Loyal Bodyguard. Legendary creatures you control get plus one plus O and gain indestructible until end of turn. I think this card is obviously very good in Bard class for whatever that is worth. But, I think mean, it's worth a lot. You have to play Targ Nar, Demon Fang Null. Yeah, and this which is, is just a red green 2 2. <laughs> yes, and this one's a 3 3 selfless spirit for your legendary creatures. But probably more important than that, it is very good at crewing and protecting Asika's Chariot and Sky Sovereign. So in the Gruul deck, which already like sometimes scavenging ooze is pretty good. Sometimes it's like, oh my god, this scavenging ooze is just a grizzly bear. And I I'm pretty confident that the Gruul deck wants some number of Hajar loyal bodyguards just for like its sizing plus a good ability and yeah. and it's the the plus one plus zero is kind of interesting on this <laughs> card because yeah i don't i don't know how relevant it is but can i guess theoretically help you probably doesn't uh do a lot for your sky sovereign attacks but like you know maybe a seeker's chariot trades with their trades with or something. not trades but can't even trade with a cavalier yeah. 
Yeah, it doesn't. That that is unfortunate. It's not getting your chariot over the cavalier hump. It gets it over the gigantha hump, I guess. But I don't. The love struck beast hump. That's true. That's not a bad hump to get over. I don't know if you'd want to sacrifice your hedgehog, but it is nice that this is a like the selfless spirit is legendary. So if you multiple in your hand, you're kind of incentivized to play aggressively with it to cash it in so you can play your second one yeah and every asika's chariot attack is worth much more than a creature attacking because it creates a creature as well so like Mm -hmm. you're incentivized to attack with asika's chariot even in kind of like not great attacks and this is very good when you want to make not great attacks so yeah that's neat i wonder if this i don't think this necessarily gives gruel a greater dimension it mostly is no i think it's just good in gruel that's all yeah it's just good yeah yeah, I don't, I don't really have any notes. I, I'm looking forward to the Bard class updates more than the Gruel deck. <laughs> Bard class, also a deck with a serious temporary lockdown problem. Well, yeah, but you get real mileage out of this. Legendary creatures get plus one, plus one, indestructible. <laughs> Not from temporary lockdown, mind you, but, you know, when you play four creatures and some of them have haste, you can really smack them down. That's true. I think Nick mentioned that his experience with the bard class deck was casting leyline binding on their bard class in response to them activating it so <laughs> that's so tragic yeah. oh no no yeah that, that that makes sense that's why i don't recommend people play no it's sweet but it, it it can't really be good i don't think i want to talk about a reprint do it diabolic intent oh yeah this is a reprint, so... On a spectrum from unplayable to Doomwake, where where do you land on the diabolic intent? Interested to see how people make this work in specifically combo decks. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I fall on it. I, yeah. I don't really think it's busted. I don't think it's unplayable. At the very least, you're happy to open it because you can sell it to commander players, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense in decks like Grease Fang. I think any deck that, like wants stitcher supplier satyr wayfinder already like has some interest in diabolic intent it can be tough to pull off and it can definitely get stuck in your hand and you need to build your deck in such a way that that happens the least amount of times possible i also think this is the type of card that can enable different types of shells and decks being built altogether Mm -hmm. because like you don't in in pioneer right now for instance you don't really want to play stitcher supplier or shambling ghast there's just not enough inherent value in those cards to do them but if you have a diabolic intent as part of that picture all of a sudden you're looking at okay i can turn them on pretty reliably now i need to figure out how to make their triggers and something worthwhile to tutor for and i think there's a lot of different directions you can take a shell like that whether it be like sacrifice stuff or grease fame or something else. Entirely. I don't think it's that crazy for this to be like, okay, I will count this as like additional mayhem devils and they'll also give me access to my one Corvald or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the zombies deck player just plays some Diabolic Intense and has mm-hmm. some silver bullets or a Liliana's Mastery or something. I, I don't know. I'm not a zombies expert. Fewer silver bullets to find in the mono black deck, but I, I yeah, pick up but, what you're putting you know. down. it's also kind of neat with you know we've seen mostly in like historic but we have seen combinations of like young pyromancer with spells that sacrifice creatures village rights with young pyromancer is really good i don't know if there's something you can do with diabolic intent along the same lines it's harder to do that with uh third path iconoclast because that's three colors it's a lot of colors (laughs) 
yeah, I mean, there's definitely some legs here. There's some power level here. There's some, oh my god, I drew two but diabolic intents and I can't get a creature in play to sacrifice to any of them. And even once I do, like, it is a tutor. It is a little, it adds a mana to whatever I'm getting. I need to get something really good for the situation. I don't think this is going to be busted, but it is a pretty cheap tutor and maybe with enough Stitcher suppliers, like, you can make something really good happen. Yeah, I mean, there's always some danger when you are doing that additional cost sacrifice creature. I I saw a game the other day where someone was playing Rakdos Sacrifice and they just had all uh, village rights and uh, cauldrons and it's just like, oh, okay, <laughs> where your creatures, buddy. <laughs> That's why Deadly Dispute is like so damn good because you just always have something. Something, yeah. Sacrifice treasure, sacrifice the food. Yeah. We're good to go. This This blood or this which is of it it doesn't like there is something you never deadly dispute is so good that's all it was like eight bucks at one point (laughs) (laughs) i will quickly identify bitter reunion as a like pretty strong possibility for play if enigmatic incarnation is your jam one in a red for an enchantment when it ETBs, you may discard a card. If you do, draw two cards, and then one, sacrifice it. Creatures you control gain haste until end of turn. There are little tweaks that you can make to mana in Enigmatic Incarnation that I think help improve it a lot. I think cutting down on black such that it's really only there to sometimes make your Leyline Bindings cost one is like a big part of it. And then... Uh, you have to have red mana early on just because of the composition of the deck because you're a Fable of the Mirror Breaker chained to the rocks deck. You got to have red, a lot of mountains in your deck anyways. You can kind of shift away from some amount of blue mana potentially if you like run this over Omen of the Sea. And if you can tell yourself like, okay, I only need blue mana starting on turn four, then you don't have to have quite as many blue sources. And I think you can make your mana a little better. This is probably a little weaker than Omen of the Sea, but it performs a really similar function, and I think that it could help how the deck is built. Yeah, I think so too. It also has the weird quirk of giving Reflection of Kiki Jiki haste, mm. which is a really cool thing to do. That's true. Wanna... Giving either Fable or sometimes you just give the Goblin haste and get your treasure. Like, that's not the craziest thing in the world but it's it's okay this is not a breaker of a card but i think it's not a game changer it's just another piece yeah it's it's honestly how i like my cards yeah i mean i I I like getting a few third path iconoclast i'm so glad we did that card first so i could just keep referencing how much you like it it's so good (laughs) it's so good a young pyromancer that triggers off of like i mean probably a good thing that we don't have mox opal to go with stuff like this but whoo mox opal get a one one turns on metalcraft oh yeah we're Mm. doing it Attack for two. <laughs> okay, like this legitimately would be very good with Mox Opal. Oh, though, no, right? It would be, but it's just funny. Like, there's so many more degenerate things Mox Opal could do was kind of more my point. Than... I know, but it's, you know, anyways. <laughs> I kind of want to keep the reprint train going with Go for a Threat. That's fine. Uh, this is just 1B, destroy target non-artifact creature at an instant. It was in, what, Mirrored and Besieged or something like that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible removal spell. I have spent so many games being unable to target Worm Coil Engine with this in my hand, and <laughs> I can't wait for that to continue. Yeah, I think there are probably going to be some playable large artifact creatures that come out of the set, especially if 
some of these like prototype creatures are playable and you're generally playing them for the prototype cost but sometimes you just pay like six or seven or whatever mana for them and then if uh go for the throat is the removal spell that somebody has when that you know five four flyer or whatever comes into play yeah maybe maybe you were supposed to be playing something else in that slot well it's neat because i think gopher throat is the generically most powerful Mm -hmm. card of this type of this like you know doom blade that has one thing it can't kill yeah Uh, like in pioneer it kills everything except if your opponent starts attacking with sky sovereign and then you're like oh oh no this is this is wrong (laughs) and it's kind of like better ordeal or better reunion where it's just another card in the format but it's a really impactful one because they're the the mono black decks or sorry the blue black decks are playing power word kill which is not what they want to be doing it just covers everything mm-hmm. and go for the world covers most everything yeah are there any what does power word kill not get in power pioneer are the i mean i guess it doesn't get mayhem devil and that's like kind of kind of awful <laughs> yeah i guess it doesn't yeah it kills more than i thought maybe power word kill is the better go for the throat right yeah. now i guess i should address portal to phyrexia okay please do because i didn't know what to make of it when it's on the list <laughs> oh really i think this card's kind of busted and is going to show up all over like in a lot of stuff okay you gotta sell it to me because it does cost nine ca- mana. all right nine mana artifact when portal to phyrexia enters the battlefield each opponent sacrifices three creatures at the beginning of your upkeep, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It's a Phyrexian in addition to its other types. You can cheat this out in a couple of different ways. It is very weird with Indomitable Creativity because you're just like relying on your opponent's creatures to be your reanimation target. So this is probably not your game one plan, but I <laughs> believe this is likely a threat that you can switch into against a deck that three edicts and then a bunch reanimating their creatures kills like i don't know how rakdos ever beats creativity getting this card can you graveyard trespass your own cards yeah you can okay but i mean like this kills their graveyard trespasser like you know yeah of course also like in standard you can get this back with invoke justice because that reanimates any permanent card so I actually believe that's likely to be a thing. You can wish for this with Karn. And I think this, I mean, if you have this much mana, you find a way to win with Karn anyway. So probably you don't need this. So that's that's a little bit silly. But any deck that can cheat in a big artifact, this is a big artifact that wins in situations where other big artifacts wouldn't. Yeah, I, I can see that. I believe you have sold me on how put it into play quite yet mm-hmm. <laughs> or what it does when it gets there because creativity makes a lot of sense but i don't the relying on her pulling is scary to me yeah but it just like gets you a huge advantage over you know like yes i don't think you play like a creativity deck with only portals to phyrexia in the main deck to creativity into i don't think that makes a lot of sense but you know out of the board when your other creativity targets don't make that much sense in pioneer because you're not getting archon like you you kind of are hoping that you have the best set of creativity targets for whatever matchup and i think that probably there is a combination of main deck creativity targets that then you swap out for portals to phyrexia in matchups where they are bad and portal is good that might make a lot of sense i definitely am a, a big believer in having another huge expensive toolbox card for card though people can just throw in their decks because why not and never ever get yeah 
Yeah, of course. You just get the same four artifacts. Sky Sovereign game. would actually just win you the game, or or if you have enough mana to do this, then probably you just get Cauldron. Sky Sovereign's very similar to uh, this card, kind of. Where yeah. It kills a creature on the battlefield, then attacks for six. It it's its them. own creature. Yeah, and yeah. Sky Sovereign costs five and kind of does the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Sky Sovereign also, like, completely nuts with Karn. Of course. But, you know, I expect this... Because this is just a huge enough effect without restrictions. You know, this doesn't, like, shuffle itself back in when it hits your graveyard. It, like, can get cheated into play in a few different ways. And if you can do that, uh, I doubt we're tinkering this into play in Vintage, but it is a huge artifact. Okay, I want to talk about my unplayable late drop now. Do it. Uh, this is one with the multiverse. Oh, good. <laughs> Six UU enchantment. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library. And once during each of your turns, you may cast a spell from your hand or the top of your library <laughs> without paying its mana cost. Wow, a little hybrid omniscience future sight kind of thing? Yeah. See, the reason I like this card is because it's more omnisciences. My least favorite thing about the stupid, I'm going to build my deck with mono Eldrazi and then hope to put an omniscience into play really early in some fashion tybalt's trickery or something just in, anything that does it like of most mostly tybalt's trickery yeah yeah glimpse of tomorrow did it for a while and i hated those decks because mm -hmm. you just had four omnisciences in a pile of garbage now you can have eight omnisciences in a pile of garbage which mm -hmm. is a lot more appealing <laughs> okay and then this one this... this one like mm -hmm. looks a card deeper to try to like keep you going if you know it sometimes does. you put omniscience in and all you have are like more omnisciences and that's no good yeah you can only cast one card for free per turn right but you know it, it does do the it's also cheaper than omniscience omniscience is 10 mana this is only eight which seems like a weird break point to bring up because you know after eight mana is basically infinite right yes but in specifically lotus field yeah sometimes you, you can do, just cast this <laughs> you do have the thing where you can cast nine mana pretty easily but 10 mana is a little harder mm -hmm. <laughs> though that is also a deck where you do want to cast like every card in your hand so who knows but it is interesting that there is another omniscience in the format can also i guess academy rector this into play in the more broken formats sure i don't know maybe it'll go in your replenish deck when you build that modern yeah great i don't know what the suspend replenish is called Oh, yeah, and you can cast the Replenish. Once you have this in play, you don't have to suspend your Replenish. You can just cast it. Or you don't have to cast it into it. You can just cast it. And you it. cast it straight off the top. Wow. We busted it. We're done. You can also play the land underneath it because, you know, it's great. <laughs> great, great. Yeah, I don't know. I just like kind of goofy cards like this. Uh, I, I think it's mostly in the playable end the same playable end is portal to phyrexia yeah but i don't know it's sweeter you get to look at top of your library right you figure out a way to cheat it in and then it just like crushes your opponent because it is an eight or nine mana permanent that they chose to print in 2022 so it's going to be unbeatable yeah so it has like 40 lines of rules text so yeah it does all the things let's see we've got teferi temporal pilgrim this is three and two blue for four loyalty planeswalker Whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on Teferi. Zero, draw a card. Minus two, create a 2-2 two -two blue spirit creature token with Vigilance. And whenever you draw a card, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. And then minus 12, 
target opponent chooses a permanent they control and returns it to its owner's hand, then they shuffle each non-land permanent they control into its owner's library. Just do not care about that ultimate. I want to cast this thing, minus two it, have it survive, and minus two it again, and then just have gigantic uh, spirits that kill my opponent. Yeah, I have Onerophage in a cube, which is a modern Horizons uncommon. It's mm-hmm. just like a 1-1 one, one flyer. It's a 1-2 flyer. Uh, like it's a plus one, plus one counter item whenever you draw it. And people pass that card all the time. And it just straight up kills people. It gets so out of hand so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, these tokens don't have flying, unfortunately. Sure. But they do have Vigilance. They do have Vigilance. Does... Like, how do you kill somebody through these if they sit and play for a turn or two? Like, they go up to 3-3. Three, three, uh, the turn after you play Teferi at 4 4 if you get to put, keep him in play because he can draw a card. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just like, I, I think maybe Teferi will require a little more stuff than that. But yeah. it is a good, really good starting place. I mean, I like this design for a Planeswalker where it's less Teferi Hero of Dominaria, where it's just like, I'm good on basically any board because you can just find some way to screw your opponent up between my minus and my plus and more of like you really need to manage what your opponent is doing if you kind of haven't then i can come down and give you some value and then maybe you can leverage like you know drawing cards to make the one token i made big and then turn that into something but it's it's not the easiest to make me good but sometimes it's going to be really good my favorite part about this planeswalker is how they kind of just gave up like Teferi is supposed to be the time mage, and literally this card just draws cards with play. tokens. <laughs> it's just like, what are you? Why? Why is this? Tef- it doesn't matter. This is the blue planeswalker in the set. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this I could be it's... like a D and D planeswalker for all that matters. His ultimate is doing like kind of timey stuff, but sure, never, but like you never nobody's do it, ever so it going matter. to ultimate this Teferi. Like the making the tokens is just too tempting, and you're gonna make one like every opportunity you have to make one. And I will point out, just in case it wasn't obvious from the way we were talking about the card, you do get to keep Teferi into play and make two tokens because whenever you draw a card, you get, he gets a loyalty. He doesn't have yeah. a plus one conventionally. He just gets a loyalty whenever you draw a card. So he's basically a five loyalty planeswalker if he survives a turn cycle. Yeah, and like maybe harder to kill. Like, you know, if you cast Consider, you put a loyalty counter on this thing. If you do any like looting or, you know, do a... a a big score or a chapter two of a fable of the mirror breaker with this in play you just get more loyalty counters on him and he becomes harder and harder to kill and you can protect him with your third path iconoclast tokens too i mean yeah like you can that's that's a <laughs> that's a really important use of young pyromancer type cards is blocking for planeswalkers and this thing triggers no. off of your planeswalker you cast like come on I know. I was sold. Let's get on board that third path iconoclast train. I think we're starting. We're the conductors. Tickets, please. Um, I want to talk about Lauren of the Third Path now. Sure. So this is a really niche card, but I'm really glad it's printed. Uh, It's two and a white for a 2-1 legendary human artificer with vigilance. Uh, When it enters the battlefield, when she enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment. Which is what artificers do, of course, is... destroy destroy artifacts (laughs) and then then she has another ability which is tap you and target opponent each draw a card i don't really care about that ability though it is very cute multiple people have brought up to me that you can have spirit of the labyrinth in play i know draw cards yep that's (laughs) really cute granted adorable but i don't 
I don't know how you're really doing this. I mean, it's a legacy death in Texas thing. And, you know, that deck will have like a copy of Lauren of the Third Path in the sideboard I've, or something. I've had multiple decks I've built where I'm just like, man, I really wish there's a white reclamation sage. Too mm-hmm. bad there isn't a white reclamation sage. You can either kill enchantments or artifacts. You have to pick one. There, So there is Cathar Commando these days. Now, yeah, that for the longest time there wasn't. Right. Cathar Commando is the that card. The, the problem with Cathar Commando is it's a three mana card that just dies, right? It's right. a disenchant. It's a three mana disenchant when you're doing it. And that often is not the best and it was great with Luris, but obviously everything's great with Luris. so having a three mana reclamation sage in white that actually stays in play it's good they tacked an ability onto so that it could make it rare but sure i mean it has vigilance come on two one vigilance that's great yep no this card just matters because it's white reclamation sage yeah you could desperation draw a card i guess if that's what you're into Go if, for it. I mean, if your opponent has multiple cards in hand and you are low on cards in hand, then that ability is great. Like, that's just a bonus on your Reclamation Sage, so. If you're blue-white control and you've got Narsets? <laughs> I mean, gross. I don't know really when blue-white control really wants a Reclamation Sage, per se, but. Right. I guess you could. You could. I Honestly, I think that probably this will be in play with the spirit of the labyrinth like more than oh yeah i think that's think. way more likely than it being in play with our set yeah recruiter of the guard gets either of these that's kind of cute i don't know spirit of the labyrinth ever becomes modern playable it's a much harder sell in a format where like i not... actually think it's an easier sell than legacy because there are no good two drops other than still torch mystic that's that's the only one <laughs> i know but 60 percent of your opponents are not playing brainstorm in modern so no you're right it's just that you don't have any other options. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go with like the suite of soldier cards here next because they oh, have the whole suite. Okay. They have seeded a soldier's deck. Can we can we start with the land? Because I love the land. The land is really good. Like you just play the land in your mono white soldier's deck like really easily. Fortified beachhead. As it enters the battlefield, you may reveal a soldier card from your hand. Fortified beachhead enters the battlefield tapped unless you reveal the soldier card this way or... You control a soldier. Perfect. This is what you wanted from the Lorwyn lands like yes. a million years ago. Yes. Uh, this is basically Tundra in a soldier's deck. Like, it just is going to come into play untapped. If you have no soldiers in hand and no soldiers in play, then it doesn't really matter that it came into play tapped. You're dead. So whatever. Uh, but it taps for a white or a blue, and it has five tap soldiers you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. That's going to finish games. Like having that it's on just the free. land it's free like yeah. a tundra that it's a tundra for soldier decks which is great excellent and then you just get a kind of bad anthem ability but it's on your land so who cares yeah i don't know that you even care that it makes blue mana like i don't know if the soldier deck is going to want to play the blue <laughs> that's, cards that's kind of what i thought when i was uh it, it matters that it makes blue mana not for the soldierness of it but for the uh, play spell pierce now true true that's that that's probably more important yeah because this isn't like creature gated mana you can cast any white or blue card off right. of this you yeah. not just soldier creatures that's a that's a really good point also like lets you splash reflector mage into your soldier deck or whatever potentially whoa that's a wizard i don't that's a flavor violation can't yeah. do that also, Brutal Cathar is a soldier, so that may be what you really want to be doing yeah, that in your soldier good. deck anyways. There is at least one white-blue soldier in this set. Harbin, Vanguard, Aviator, blue-white for a 3-2 flying. Whenever you attack with five or more soldiers, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain flying until end of turn. So it's like mostly a 
two mana, three power, unblockable guy, but if you get into board stalls eventually, they die. That's kind of nice for a two drop. Yeah, and white decks do get into board stalls pretty easily if they're not killing every single one of your creatures with point removal. <laughs> yeah, and especially because of stuff like Brutal Cathar, where you just like kind of lock down the worst of their creatures, but then, you know, it's a 2-2 two -two and like can't really attack. Then at some point, you just like accumulate bodies, and then if you attack with five soldiers and give them all plus one plus one and flying, like that is lethal damage. So I, I kind of like this card if we decide that blue mana is worth it. There's also a lot of ways the set creates soldier tokens. Mm -hmm. uh, we've talked about third path iconoclast a lot, but it's a larger feature of the set than just that card. Right. The one one colorless soldier artifact creature token. Whew, that is a mouthful. But those those soldier artifact creature tokens are on a number of cards. Which which makes it easier to assemble the five or more soldiers text of Harpen. Yeah. Yeah. Who is Urza's son, by the way? Lore boom um also if you're on a board stall and you don't have a harbin in play and then you top deck your harbin and attack with your five soldiers that don't include harbin they still get plus one plus one and flying so this has that like top deck overrun kind of feel to it and speaking of soldier tokens the next card yes we've got siege veteran two and a white for a two two human soldier at the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Whenever another non-token soldier you control dies, create a one one colorless soldier artifact creature token. Does not create a soldier token when it dies, unfortunately for like fans of this card, I guess, but probably fortunately for people playing removal spells against soldier decks. Luminarch Aspirant with plus one plus one and an additional mana and also like the right creature type for your soldier deck with just like a little bit of a bonus but probably most removal spells get aimed at this thing first it's probably good enough like luminarch aspirant was too good for two mana so no yeah i think it is good enough and there's also monoid has a lot of really good three drops but it's true you know some some of them did rotate and this one does do something different mm -hmm. uh, it's got the I'm a Luminarch Aspirant. I can buff other stuff instead of just myself, like Adeline. Mm -hmm. And it has the also Adeline. Adeline's really good uh, making creatures with all your stuff. Yes. Adeline is really good. It does not... It is, Adeline is not a soldier and does not make soldier tokens. So if you're like really trying to maximize that creature type thing, then maybe you're not as interested in Adeline. Adeline is just disgusting, though. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Siege Veteran is good enough on its own merits just not necessarily because of the the soldier token line but mm -hmm. the luminar gasperness of it like luminar gasperness is a good card yeah and this one is three mana which is a lot worse than two mm -hmm. but it still does something that white decks want which is spread out threats yeah it is important to keep in mind that like three is just such a congested spot on the curve for these decks like any playable one makes it in the deck any two that's like reasonably above rate is like worth considering. And then with three, you just have to have like very discerning eyes when you're looking at the cards. So I'll on that note, I'll read recruitment officer. Sure. Uh, Cause this is the one drop soldier. It's a white two, one human soldier. Good enough. Put it in. Yep. But it has more text. Uh, it has a four mana activity ability, three and a white. Look at the top four cards of your library. You can reveal a creature card with mana value three or less from among them and put them into your hand. The rest go on the bottom of your library in a random order. Look at this Prince Valiant-ass haircut on this guy. Yeah, it's kind of very Shrekish to me. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's just a one mana two one upside. 
I think we talked about this is one of the very, very, very first cards spoiled. Yeah, and we got more like it seemed fine anyways, and then we got like soldier support. So this and is this the card one does not care about soldierness. It just is a soldier. Right. Like you don't have to find soldier's top ability. It can get anything that costs three or less. Yeah. You can get your Skyclave apparition in older formats potentially. You can get your Lauren of the Third Path. Oh yeah. It's a recruitment officer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See? recruiting to the third path is that what's going on well you talked about how lauren was good with recruiters and legacy oh so. yeah 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 okay different this is a recruiter in different legacy crew of the guard a little bit stronger card than recruitment officer but oh yeah so just to like also mention because there hasn't been any reason to think about this before but there is a two mana lord for soldiers in dm yeah, and dominaria and <laughs> Like, if that card didn't exist, then I, like, wouldn't be paying too much attention to these soldiers until they showed us something more. But it's like, here are a bunch of good soldier cards, and you have the two-mana Grizzly Bear Lord with a graveyard-activated ability that ties it all together. So so when it dies, your Siege Veteran replaces it with a 1-1 soldier, then you can use the graveyard ability. Mm-hmm. It's just all seated. What's he's making the deck for us? I mean, kind of. It's, like... It does feel like kind of a pre-constructed deck here that I think is likely to be good enough. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how tribal decks work. Mm. They print the cards with the type on them, and then you put them in your deck, and you're good to go. Yes. Just customize what you're doing with your mana. One card that is not of the type but may make the deck, kind of depending on what you want to do with the mana base and stuff, but also is going to make a lot of decks, is Lay Down Arms. One white for a sorcery, exile target creature with mana value less than or equal to the number of planes you control. Its controller gains three life. This is just a huge option for white decks and a big improvement for just like slower white based decks to kill things on curve and double spell with a removal spell really easily later in the game. As long as you have enough planes, like this is pretty gross. No, yeah, this card's great. I initially misread how the card works because it's just a single white mana so it's got the swords to plowshares Mm -hmm. parallel uh, because that's what the flavor is of the card too (laughs) yeah uh but it's not the power of the creature it's just the mana value so you can you know theoretically for some reason you're playing against dragavan (laughs) and you have this card your tech you could kill it on one yeah I mean, this probably doesn't see a ton of modern play, but Standard and Pioneer, I think. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of Standard and Pioneer play because it's one of the better, depending on how your mana base works, because it does key off specifically planes. Yes. Uh, It's one of the better removal spells in the color. But I do appreciate them giving us an option that is like divergent with Leyline Binding and Prismatic Ending for this sort of thing. So that's it's nice that often your removal spells admit that white is a garbage color and you should just play all the other ones instead <laughs> right. at least this but one this is one's like, like you know what white's pretty good you be, should play a bunch of it be a white mage and you know with these soldiers like white does seem strong in this set so i you know well i think yeah i think the set just seems stronger than the last ones we've gotten it does well. it does there there are some push things there are some really cool cards like i'm hyped for this set yeah like for instance, I'm going to move to another card. I really like the cycle of prototype cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phyrexian Fleshcorger, I think, is the best one so far. This is a 7 mana, 7 5 artifact Phyrexian Worm with Menace and Lifelink. And it has Ward of Pay Life equal to Phyrexian Fleshcorger's power. Now, I just described a pretty bad card. <laughs> it's a 7 mana, 7 5 with Menace and Lifelink. Like, who cares? But it has this prototype ability 
which is an alternate casting cost. So if you pay it, play it for one BB instead, uh, it's got all of its abilities I just listed, except for it's a three three instead of a seven five, mm-hmm. and also it's black. Sure. I mean, this is kicker. It's it's just well, I don't think it's it's more like a transform card to me. It's kicker or reverse kicker. I don't know. It's kicker. But anyways, yes, I agree that this card is good. It gives me a lot of uh, worm coil engine vibes, probably because it's a Frexian lifelink worm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's really annoying to get rid of. Like the the three three mode, you pay three life to get rid of it. It bolts your opponent. It just always gets an attack in on your opponent. Mm-hmm. And um, the life swing is kind of gigantic if you can stay alive. Yeah, and menace and lifelink on it make it like kind of good, almost regardless of game state. Uh, if you go real late, you can make it a 7-5. You also get to like play this as a 3-drop, get it hit by a removal spell, and cost them through life or trade it off or whatever. And then if you have anything that incidentally reanimates, then you get the full body out of it. So if you're playing like a mid-range deck with Cruelty of Gix, this is like a free way to get really good reanimation targets for Cruelty of Gix into your deck. Yeah, I don't... There hasn't been a lot of really good ways to reanimate things. And also Black in this mm-hmm. set so far has the fewest amount of cards like we just don't have any black cards spoiled for sure. whatever reason but we so do know that black something... is good in standard so yeah we do know black is good in standard <laughs> so honestly anything black gets for this point forward is just like oh yeah yeah i can put this in it. something so yeah i'm down with this i really i just like this card quite a bit yes and i'm excited to see what the other prototypes are at higher rarity because there's some uncommon ones which are okay Mm-hmm. but i'm really into the show me what the powerhouses are yeah yeah give me your best shot have to mention the stone brain so i didn't say the brain stone i didn't say stone rain this is the stone brain it's a different it's a different card do we have to mention it yeah because it's playable and also has a really weird name it's two mana for a legendary artifact two tap exile the stone brain Choose a card name, search target opponent's graveyard hand and library for up to four cards with that name and exile them. That player shuffles, then draws a card for each card exile from their hand this way. Exile only as a sorcery. This is a, it's just a carnival cranial extraction. And I think that. Yeah, it's it's a toolbox card. I, I don't like this card. I don't think you'd want to put it in most of your card decks. I think there's always a better hate card. Mm, but I think it maybe overlaps on enough things that it's going to show up. We'll see. It's just an option. I think the. You can also carn for it and then carn for it again after activating. I I get that. Everyone brings that up all the time. And every time they do, I'm like, how often is that going to matter? Right. It ever? needs to be a, a situation where doing it once like effectively kills them for it to be. Like, I might as well just have a millstone in my deck. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or my sideboard, sorry. A it also gives gap. access to a cranial in other colors, which is like uh, probably more relevant than it being carnival i hate the existence of this card because cranial extraction effects aren't good right and now everyone can play them all the time no that's and great people will play them when they're not good that's dope i'm into it it's good when you're playing the, the game against the person who's cranial you for no reason other than <laughs> that they can but it's really bad for me and my mental health when i look through deck lists and this person just has three just has stone brains in the sideboard of their like mono red deck or whatever yeah, and I'm like, what are you doing with your life? Please stop. It's going to happen. Sorry. Just prepare I yourself. Know it will. I know it will. I cannot emphasize how much I hate Great Extractions. <laughs> um, I only have like one more card I kind of want to touch on. Sure. The time being, at least. And it's Hercule. 
Master yeah. Wizard. Uh, she is one UU for two four. Legendary Human Wizard Advisor. Ooh, they barely fit that one on the type line. They did. At the beginning of your end step, if you've cast a non-creature spell this turn, reveal the top five cards of your library, and then for each card type among non-creature spells you've cast this turn, you can put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand, and the rest go on the bottom. I just think this is interesting with artifacts. Yeah. Uh, because you can play this card, play whatever, and then impulse for an artifact for free. Yep. Uh, I think it's a little underpowered body mana cost wise for modern mm-hmm. and i don't think the cheap artifacts exist for pioneer but i this is a look forward card to me sure like, i think the effect is good enough where if you can you know play Hercule and play a chromatic star or whatever and start to dig for different pieces that they give in the next few sets or whatever she is I, legendary really for looking forward to this she is legendary for mox amber she is a legendary for mox amber mox amber is always on the rise <laughs> i you just once you get a, a critical mass of legendary creatures to play in your artifact based deck you know Hercule is blue emery is blue like give me a little bit more like i don't know if we can play kinnon or whatever but at some point it's just like yeah all the creatures that i want are legendary and i can just play like four mox ambers in my deck yeah i i'm a fan of mox amber believe me especially the one in this set they're there's two versions and they both look very good yeah options are nice i just also think it's funny how you know Hercule is basically known for recall which is an artifact hate card yes and Hercule and lauren just seems mixed up to me because lauren is the artificer that destroys artifacts and Hercule is known for just destroying artifacts and just draws them <laughs> that, that is really funny <laughs> yes but you should mention since you brought up the mox ambers how good the blueprint treatments are for these cards those are so are... good i love the blueprint treatments just there's a full spoiler of them now uh on the wizard's site you can look at all of them uh, i think my favorite so far has been the mox amber or mm-hmm. the chromatic star the chromatic star is really nice because it has like several little windows of not even blueprints just like tiny little rainbows in the corners for some <laughs> reason <laughs> like oh these are the colors you can chromatic start into <laughs> they're cool though i really like them yeah i was you know not the most excited of like oh yeah classic artifacts and old border like yeah i like the brown artifact border but it wasn't doing a lot for me on its own but then it just turned out that the arts for like all of them were great so oh there's more cards in scryfall i didn't see before but we can yeah there's later there's other stuff obstinate baloth is uncommon now like that's gonna mess up some limited games Uh, i also really like the the reality anchor which is this crazy unplayable artifact that has really cool text <laughs> yes yeah. that is that's what teferi was going into at the end of the uh cgi animated trailer he like got a power stone from a johnny and then he unlocked something and it, it was that and he went into that i assume to go back in time i i need to look up this cgi thing because i know you referenced it cgi teferi a johnny i'm just gonna google it right now and see if i can new cinematic trailer reddit Thank you. I think you read it. And then I'll just watch this later. I'm not going to podcast watch this. No, no, no. Easy. Dawn of the Phyrexian Invasion. Because I'm really interested. I read all of the Brothers War story. uh, The the newer ones, right? And Johnny's not in it at all. (laughs) I mean, he was just definitely fighting a Johnny. 
So, I mean, I haven't read the present day ones, so maybe that's where it comes into play. Sure. We'll see. But I'll, I'll look at their little CGI thing. Yeah, it's fun. It's not as good as like the Eldrain one, but it's fun. Well, the Eldrain one was the best yes. because I'm just really invested in the gingerbread people's safety and well-being. Yeah, because they're cute and magic doesn't do cute often enough. Yeah, exactly. That's I really enjoy Eldrain as a... Uh, the aesthetic. Yeah, there's a, I was going to say it was like a set piece and environment. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad we're going back to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Maybe that's my unpopular opinion, but I love Eldraine. I thought it was so cool the first time. I mean, all the mechanics were good. The cards just each had like one of too many abilities. I I even like that. Like, I think Eldraine is maybe not my sweet spot because it's a, it has Oko in it. And yes. I hate Oko. But Eldraine is my kind of go-to for magic sets I enjoy because... They aren't afraid to try something unique and different. Like mm-hmm. I really like Fires of Vision, Escape to the Wilds sort of stuff. Ah, both cards that got banned in standard. Yes. They did course. get both banned in standard. But they did something different. Mm-hmm. Like Red Green didn't do that before. Fires of Vision was a wild card people yeah. in previous season thought was just unplayable. So yeah, I think that there was a gap between like some people thought it was unplayable. Some people were like excited to see what a card like this could do because we hadn't had anything like it before and i think eldraine did a lot of different cards like that yeah it did turn out too strong but i do like them trying different stuff yeah and having it work out like that as opposed to almost the entire last year other than kamigawa where it was just like this is a magic set it's got cards that that we know work right as a magic set (laughs) yeah i mean eldraine messed standard up by like adventures just I mean, after everything got banned, then Adventures was just better than everything else that got printed in that continuing standard. So that that was not great. The past year or so, like we have definitely ended up with standard that just turns into like this mid-range sludge. And, and that, that's kind of what happens, I think, when there are no risks taken. Mm-hmm. It's just like, we know this stuff works, so we're going to print it. Right. You don't get and to... I really like to reconfigure for like Neon Dynasty and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully some amount of like these artifact synergies and, and other things that are happening in the set will lead to cool things. I mean, I'm more excited for this year of Magic than I have been in a while just because there's a straight, easy thematic to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's been one of Magic's major failings for the past few years where it's just like, all right, we're at this theme. When then go to a, sh- a three months later, you're a completely different theme that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. And you just have... You're basically just playing siloed sets and whatever the best cards are. You have no like theme theme to draw on. Right. Bring back blocks. I, I'm cool with this. The the year of mm-hmm. you know everything is clearly going to be artifact based from Brothers to Phyrexia. Dominaria was kind of weird, and I don't like that set very much. <laughs> this is just effectively a block, but yeah, yeah. I still Dominaria is still such a weird set. The y- Dominaria United. Yeah. Just didn't hit for me. But Kamigawa was great, and Kamigawa was great. Hopefully, we get to use some of the cooler cards now, like Poseju. <laughs> oh yeah! Imagine one day putting Poseju in your deck and channeling it to destroy an artifact or an enchantment or something. That'll be so. I don't. I don't know if I could take the the anguish of having my opponent get a land for free. <laughs> Yep. I just bozajured an ember cleave that my opponent was trying to do lethal with. It was disgusting. 
did they get a mountain or did they concede? They conceded because I had okay. lethal. I had <laughs> I had a sky sovereign in play. That's a definitely one way to skirt the drawback of Bosey. Yes, <laughs> you just don't proceed to resolving the ability. Okay, I think I'm cool. I'm done with previews for now. There's, yeah, you know, yet more, ever more previews. Oh, there's plenty more to talk about. I'm sure, and there will be more cards revealed that we don't even know about yet. So, oh geez, I just realized there's a Suchi Cave Guard. <laughs> uh, which is a sweet callback from a really old card. Suchi Loadlifter. Oh, no, just Suchi. It was it's just, just Suchi. Suchi. They were called Suchi Loadlifters in the book. And the, somehow that stuck with me really hard. Wow. They are... Because it, the reason I know Suchi is because it's a 4-mana four 4-4 four, four, that when it dies, you get 4 colorless mana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that card's on the reserve list. <laughs> or unprinted. I, I don't remember whether it's on the reserve list or just never been printed before, um, again. It's in... Oh no, you're right. You're, yeah, you're totally right. And I wanted it to try it out for my cube, but I just never got a copy because it's from Antiquities. And I just appreciate that there's a a very large Suji in this deck. In this <laughs> it's, it's two Sujis. That's great. Okay, I'm yeah, good. Sounds good. Everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye.